Today we are continuing this three-week series that's called Beyond, where we're talking a little bit about what's happening beyond the walls of our church building here at Brooklyn Park, and being able to say what's happening around us and what, what is God up to uh, in the local area, in our country, and around the world. And so last week we spent some time looking at our local stuff as we had Celeste come and share from Lockley's Primary School, and we talked about what it looks like for us to be people of peace. This week, we're going to zoom out a little bit, and uh, as we've already mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about Reconciliation Week and what that looks like. Um, Reconciliation Week being this opportunity for us to talk about how we can be at peace in harmonious relationships with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. But to get to that point, we want to kind of zoom out at God's really big story. And we've talked about this before, and we're going to actually come back later in the year and walk through this in a fair bit of detail, because it's really crucial for us to understand the big, what's called meta-narrative. And meta-narrative is this really big, complex word, but it really just means a big story that's got meaning within it. And so there are all sorts of meta-narratives in the world around us, But for us as people who follow Jesus, we believe that there's a meta-narrative that weaves its way through the pages of Scripture. The Bible is 66 books that are all sorts of different books. Some of them are poetry, some of them are letters, some of them are narratives. There's all of these different types of literature that we read throughout the Bible. But we believe that through all of it is this one big story that holds everything together and gives us a sense of purpose and meaning. And so there's a number of ways of articulating what that meta-narrative looks like, but for me, I've found these seven words to be really, really helpful in unpacking what that looks like. So the first word is designed, because we believe that at the very beginning of time, God made a decision to say he was going to design, create a universe and a world and a group of people, humanity, and that his purpose in that original design was one thing for us to be able to live in a healthy relationship with him, to be able to live in a healthy relationship with each other and with the world that he had created. God's original blueprint, his original plan, was for us to be able to live at peace. That's the whole reason that he created us. The second word, though, is broken. Because very early on in the story, we recognise that God gave humanity a choice. He gave us an option to be able to say that we could live the way that he'd created us to live or we could choose to say thanks but no thanks. And it's one of these questions that we often wrestle with. Why did God do that knowing that there was a pretty good chance that we would choose no? And the simple answer for that is love. God wanted us to choose a loving relationship with him. And if he made us love him, that's not actually love. We're just robots who are doing what we were programmed to do. But God genuinely wants us to love him back. And so because of that, he gives us a choice to say yes to his way of living, his original design, or to say no. And from the very beginning, we as humanity said, thanks, but no thanks. And we said we would rather work things out for ourselves and make our own decisions. And so that introduced brokenness into this original design. It's kind of like if you think about a set of blueprints, it's like someone upended an ink pot all over it. And so now there's this big stain on the original design that means that we can't see things clearly anymore. But God at that point didn't give up. God didn't say, how dare you ruin my original design? That's it, I'm done with you people. But instead he chose to pick a group of people called the Israelites and to be able to say, I'm going to walk alongside of them 
to help them understand what this original design was all about. And so the journey of the Old Testament is a journey of a group of people who continually say, thanks but no thanks to God's original design, walk away from God's best, and a God who is faithful and who brings reconciliation back into that relationship to say, this is how I created you. I forgive you for making your own choices and walking away, but this is what it looks like to live by the original design. The Israelites say thanks but no thanks, and they walk away again, and then God brings them back in faithfulness, forgives them, and says, this is what it looks like, and they say thanks but no thanks, and they wander away. And so over hundreds and hundreds of years, we see this continuing. But as time rolls on, there's this building expectation, and so that's the third word, expectant. There's this growing sense that God is going to, at just the right time, bring someone along who's going to restore that original design once and for all. That this Messiah is going to come, who's going to reconcile us with God and allow us to live in fully reconciled relationships with each other 100% of the time. And so Jesus enters into our existence. And the fourth word is presence, because we believe that Jesus is the very presence of God. That Jesus comes to show us exactly what God is look, uh, looks like and Jesus comes to show us what it looks like to live in a fully complete relationship with God and with the people around us. The fifth word is then satisfied because we believe that through Jesus' life, death and resurrection, he does everything necessary to restore us, to reconcile us, to bring us back into that original design that God always had for us. That through Jesus, everything's been done, everything is satisfied, and now there is nothing that stops us from having a full and complete relationship with God, except for what we put there ourselves. The sixth word is then mission, because Jesus entrusts his first disciples, his first followers, his closest friends, with the mission of going out into the world to tell people about this amazing story, and to help them to understand God's done everything necessary for you to live the way that you were designed to live, to live at peace with God, at peace with each other, and at peace with the creation. That's what the mission is that was given to the early church, which has been passed on from generation to generation all the way through to us right now. And we believe that at the end of time, the final word is restored, because God is ultimately going to restore us to a full, complete relationship with him that we will experience 100% of the time. And so this is really, really helpful for us because whenever we approach scripture, we want to say, where are we at in the meta-narrative? Because what's happening in the words of scripture will generally be pointing us towards one or more of these words, one or more of these themes that are emerging through the great story. The challenge for us is to recognize that a whole bunch of things are all happening at once. We do acknowledge and affirm that Jesus has come to show us what God is like and Jesus has come to satisfy everything. We now do live in a fully complete relationship with God, but we also know that that brokenness is still a big part of most people's experience on a daily basis. That things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. The people experience violence, they experience hatred, they experience poverty, that selfishness, is a lot of what we are all focused on, especially in the West. But the good news, the really good news, is that's not the way that it has to be. 
And so listen again to these words that we've read from Paul, and I'm going to read them from the message translation this time, because there's an extra layer of meaning that comes as we read this through. And I want to encourage you, if it's helpful, to close your eyes and let these words wash over you to understand what Paul is saying about what has been done for us. Listen to these words again from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All of this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. What's fascinating about those words is that all of it is past tense. Paul says, all of this has happened. All of this is a reality right now. And so let's look at all of these things that he says are true about us right now. Our old life is gone. It's finished. The old way of living is over. The new life has begun. God has settled the relationship between us and himself. We have been changed from enemies to friends with God. God has put the world square. Other translations talk about how he has settled the debt, that he hasn't kept a record of our wrongs or our sins or our selfish acts. Older translation says that he hasn't counted our trespasses against us. And this is really, really helpful because we know what trespassing looks like. If we go onto someone else's property where we're not supposed to be, if we cross over boundaries that we're not supposed to cross over, that's trespassing. And so what Paul says is that God hasn't counted our trespasses, those times when we've overstepped, when we've gone places that we shouldn't have, God hasn't counted those things against us. It's all been done. We have been given the task of representing Jesus. We are now Christ's representatives. Other translations talk about us being Christ's ambassadors. That our responsibility that has been given to us is to tell other people about what Jesus has done. And if you think about the idea of an ambassador, it's a really, really helpful image for us. Because when we think about an ambassador, an Australian ambassador who's in another country, Their responsibility is to live the Australian way of life, to live the Australian culture in a foreign land and to help other people to understand what Australian culture is all about and to be able to speak on behalf of the Australian government about decisions that have been made and to say this is something that we've made a decision about. And at other times when war has broken out, two ambassadors will come together to try and form peace and they will declare that we have chosen to declare peace with you. It's a declaration that an ambassador would made would make. And so all of those things are true about our role as Christ's ambassadors. We are people who are expected to live 
the way of Jesus, the culture of Jesus in a foreign land. To be people who live the way that Jesus has called us and designed us and created us to be. And to speak on behalf of Jesus, to talk about the things that have happened, the decisions that have been made, including the declaration of peace. So all of that is true right now, as we sit here this morning, as we go home this afternoon, as we go into this week, all of those things are true. Everything that's necessary to replace the brokenness that we often experience in our lives has been replaced with the opportunity to experience peace, forgiveness, reconciliation, what God's original design was for us. And so how did all of that happen? Was it because we managed to get ourselves together enough? Was it because we were good enough that we've managed to somehow earn it? Well, Paul says in verse 21, how, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. All of the wrong of the world was put onto Jesus, who was perfect and who lived in a full, complete relationship with God. All of the wrong of the world, all of the brokenness was put on to Jesus so that all of us, the ones who commit all that wrong, the ones who commit all of that brokenness, can receive the full, complete relationship that Jesus has with the Heavenly Father. Another translation of that, the NIV translation, says, God made him who had no sin to be the sin offering for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And righteousness is a pretty full-on word. It's a word that we sing in a number of the songs that we sing together. But it's a word that really means a right relationship a complete relationship, a full relationship. And the best word that I think sums up righteousness is harmony. It's a sense of living in a harmonious relationship with God, but then allowing that to change us. Because righteousness then has an impact on the decisions that we make and the motivations that we have, that we live out of righteousness. We live out of a harmonious relationship with God and pursue harmonious relationships with the people around us and the earth In which we live. And so Jesus took all of the sin, all of the selfishness, all of the brokenness of the world onto himself, even though he was living in righteousness, in a harmonious relationship with God, and instead he exchanges that for us. All of us who live those sinful, selfish, broken lives get this harmonious relationship with God given to us. It's transferred across, which is staggering when you stop and think about the implications of that, that God would choose to do that for us even though we don't deserve it, even though we've never done enough to even slightly make up for the choices that we make where we say thanks but no thanks to what God's original design was. So one of the questions that I've been wrestling with through this week as I've been thinking about today is what would happen if we actually believed all of this and lived it out? What if every day we got up and not just cognitively said, yes, I know that's all true, but genuinely to the core of who we are, genuinely believed all these things that Paul is saying? What would happen if every day we got up and said, the old life 
is gone. Today, I'm not going to live that way anymore. Today, new life has been given to me. And so I'm going to choose from the moment I get out of bed to live that way. What if when we got up every day, we recognised that we are friends with God? We're not in any way enemies. There's nothing between us and God. We're completely forgiven, completely free, completely loved, completely accepted. What if we started every day with that mindset in our relationship with God? What if we recognise that Jesus has taken all of our brokenness, all of our mistakes, all of those times that we mess up? Jesus has taken all of that and he's replaced that with righteousness. And we now have the opportunity to live each day as people who live in a harmonious relationship with God and the people around us. What if we got up every day and focused on living out of that sense of harmony, that sense of righteousness in all of the relationships that we have? What if we got up every day and we recognised that we're Christ's representatives, that we are Jesus' ambassadors? What would be different then about my thought patterns? What would be different then about that inner soundtrack that I listen to that tells me about myself, tells me about God, tells me about other people? Would it change any of the things that I think about how the world works? What would be different about my actions and probably even more importantly about my motivations for the actions that I do? What would change about my relationships with other people if I recognised and believed that all of that is true, all of that has happened? So as we head into this week, that is Reconciliation Week, it's really great for those of us who follow Jesus to be able to remind ourselves that when we talk about reconciliation, that's what we're talking about. Forgiveness, starting with everything that has been given to us, focusing on love, on God's original design, on a fresh start, focusing on harmonious relationships. And when we talk about reconciliation, we recognise that we're the people who have been given the task of being agents of reconciliation, sharing this message of reconciliation with all of the people around us. That's so beautifully put in the message translation, become friends with God, he's already a friend with you. As we look to share that message with the people around us, hopefully it then shifts our focus. And so the first verse that we read today says this, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. So Paul says, because of all of that, we don't look at people by human standards. We see people the way that Jesus sees them. And so we take all of those principles and we apply them into what's coming up this week. And we recognise that when we talk about reconciliation as people who follow Jesus, when we talk about reconciliation with our Indigenous brothers and sisters in Australia, it's not about politics, it's not about hidden agendas, it's not about all of the other stuff that sometimes we get distracted with. It's about seeing them the way that Jesus sees them. It's about acknowledging that sometimes we very much 
evaluate our Indigenous brothers and sisters by what they have and how they look, which Paul says is not a part of what we should be focused on. Reconciliation Week is about understanding that there are already very significant connections that lots of our Indigenous brothers and sisters have with the message of Jesus. It resonates so strongly with so many of them because at the heart of who they are, they're focused on the importance of relationships, the understanding of a creator who had an original design and wants us to live at peace with him, at peace with each other, and at peace with the creation that he brought into existence. Reconciliation is about us recognising and acknowledging that we're privileged to live in a country where we get to share space with people who are one of the longest continuous cultures in the whole world, people who've been living here for over 60,000 years, which is a very, very long time. And all of those elements of country that we talked about earlier have been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Reconciliation is about acknowledging that sometimes we haven't lived the way that we could have, that we have made mistakes, that we haven't done the things that we should have done in our relationship. But it's also about ways, trying to find ways to move forward together about pursuing peace, about pursuing harmonious relationships. And some of that does mean at times that we need to experience and listen to some hard truths, that we need to hear some stories that might make us feel very uncomfortable. But all of that is an important part of us being able to move forward together. We can't take the past back. We can't change what's happened in the past but it is important for us to be able to acknowledge it and to be able to say, yes, things haven't been the way that they should have, to ask for forgiveness and then to be able to say, what does it look like for us to move forward in reconciliation, at peace with each other in harmonious relationships together? So as we head into this week, in uh, Care and Connection, in your teaching notes, there are a number of resources that I've given you if you would like to dig into some of this a little bit more through this week. You will no doubt be hearing about it on the news throughout the week. And so these are some websites that are really, really helpful. Australians Together, which is where that video came from, has a lot of really, really helpful resources. There's a lot of stuff on their website that talks about myths that we sometimes believe about our Indigenous brothers and sisters or about what has or hasn't happened and lots of other really, really helpful things that can help you unpack a little bit more about uh, what the journey of reconciliation looks like. Tier Australia, I mentioned, has produced some resources specifically for Reconciliation Week, including the prayers that we prayed earlier on in the service. Reconciliation.org.au is another website that is very much focused on pursuing reconciliation and has lots of resources for Reconciliation Week. Now, the other thing that I'll mention is there's a couple of shows that have been on SBS which are available to stream from their streaming website. Uh, First Contact is a show where uh, six ordinary, normal Australians were taken to a number of Indigenous communities around Australia to be able to just get to know some Indigenous people and to be able to unpack some of the biases that they had and some of the things that they believed about our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters. 
There's a second series of that, which is some more high-profile Australians going through a similar process. And then First Australians is a show that talks about what happened when the first fleet arrived and uh, all of the stuff that happened in those interactions. I will name up front that these are very confronting to watch. First Contact in particular is quite confronting. I found it very confronting because of the attitudes and the unbiased honesty that some of those Australians share as they begin their journey, but also as they're confronted with some of the realities on some of the truths about what our Indigenous brothers and sisters live with, it is challenging. So don't watch these lightly, but this is a part of the journey of courage of us being able to understand a little bit more. And so it might be something that as you head into this week, you want to just do a little bit learning, a bit more learning about or a little bit more processing about. But as we wrap up today, we want to come back to this theme that we've been talking about. At the end of the day, we are agents of reconciliation. We are Jesus ambassadors. We are the message bearers of King Jesus, who is the King of peace. And so the question that I would love us to reflect on as we head into this week is how can I live as an agent of reconciliation? What does it look like for me to embrace that reality that that is the role that I have been given as I follow Jesus? For some of us, the focus of that is about unpacking more about our relationship with God and being able to say, as I think about this idea of being fully reconciled with God, living in a completely harmonious relationship with God, I know that there's some stuff there that I really struggle with. And so this week it might be helpful to reread through those verses and to recognise those things are true. Those things have happened. That's true about your relationship with God right now, this week. And so for some of us as we process about what it means to be an agent of reconciliation, we need to step back and say, how do I understand God's big story and the reality of what's been done for me. For others of us, being agents of reconciliation could be about our relationships with people around us. It could be that there are some people that as we sit here this morning, we think, I know that I'm not living in a harmonious relationship with somebody else. And maybe this week is an opportunity for me to pursue reconciliation with a family member or a friend or someone where I know that there's just a little bit of tension, there's some stuff that's not quite right. For others of us, it could be about recognising that there are two friends that we've got or two family members who are not living in a harmonious relationship and that we know that we can step in as an agent of reconciliation to say, how can we start that healing process? How can we help people to come back into a healthy, right relationship with each other? And for others of us, as we head into Reconciliation Week, it might be that we want to understand a little bit more to learn a little bit more, to listen a little bit more about what it means for us to pursue reconciliation with our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters, to tap into some of those resources that we've talked about and to just say, how do I learn a little bit more in terms of what reconciliation looks like? For all of us, at the end of the day, we want to recognise that God created us designed us to live in a full, complete, harmonious relationship with him, with each other, and with this amazing creation that he has made. What's even more amazing, though, is he's done everything necessary for that to be our reality. And so my prayer for us this week is that we can live out of those truths, that we can understand how staggeringly amazing it is that God has done all of that for us, 
and that every day we can get up and live out of those truths. So let's pray and then we'll transition into a time of communion. God, we thank you that the pages of Scripture help us to understand this amazing meta-narrative, this amazing big story that has unfolded over the centuries and that we find ourselves a part of now. We thank you for the reality that you created us to be in a right, full, complete relationship with you. And that's your whole intent in creation, is for us to be able to live out of the richness that comes from that. We're sorry that so often we choose to say thanks but no thanks to what you have given us. That so often we walk away from your best because we're focused on ourselves, because we're focused on sinfulness and sometimes because of the brokenness that we've experienced that then shapes the way that we make decisions. But we thank you that you haven't given up on us, that you are faithful to us and that you consistently give us forgiveness. You consistently come to us and say, it's okay. You've done everything necessary through Jesus for us to have that full, complete, whole relationship with you. And so as we step into this week, I pray that you would challenge us about what that really means, that every day we can get up and embrace the reality of what you have done for us, that we can allow our identities to be shaped by that, the way that we look at the world by that, and our actions and our motivations by what you have done for us. And as we then head into Reconciliation Week and as we hear about the different things that are happening around Australia, I pray that you would help us to be people who pursue reconciliation in all of the circles in which we walk. But we do pray and yearn for a time when we can live in a harmonious relationship with our Indigenous brothers and sisters, where we can move forward together as a country and see all of the ways in which you weave this beautiful tapestry together. We're your people. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us. And we thank you that you trust us to be your agents of reconciliation. So help us to live that way as we head into this week. In your name we pray. Amen.